I feel like I'm seeing you for the first time. Yeah. No. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> looking After all good. these years <laughs> of acquaintance and friendship. Yeah, looking good, man. Looking good. You got a haircut. My hair is too short and a little too long on top. See, now I was those are the you've identified the two the two um uh identifying characteristics of your new haircut, but you have the opposite uh opinion about them that I do. Your hair is in fact short, but it's the correct length, and I like that it is longer on top. From the perspective that you have, it looks a little pointy. Well, which sure. Is, which is just a feature of, of how I slept. My head wedged between two pillows. Really? Yeah. No. But it is as as though I had. Um, it's 7 o'clock in the morning here in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. and the sun is shining. You know what? It's doing the same thing in Ithaca, New York, which is not uh, common this time of year. In fact, today... It's supposed to be, according to my telephone, the first day of a warming trend that, as far as my telephone is concerned, has no end. It has no end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good? Yeah, it's very good because well, I, don't, I don't like the cold. I mean, if it... Tr- oh, you're frozen. Trends up Yeah, I can't hear you. Can't hear me? Oh, there you go. You hear my speaking voice? Now I can. Yeah. I think I, I was... Uh... Yep, you're gone again. Can't hear a word. Did you just flip a switch or something? I heard a click. I was using the sniffle button a little too liberally, I think. <laughs> you have a sniffle button? Really? I have a sniffle button. Yeah, here's, here's how it goes. It's like... <laughs> Okay, but if I catch it, <laughs> I heard the sniffle though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It didn't work that well. That time. It's, I'm it, using it more conservatively now. The point of the sniffle button is to uh, is to make sure only sniffles are audible. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I... it's, it's seven o'clock in the morning in Portland, and it's sunny. Was where you were before I interrupted. Yeah, and. Uh, um, I, I, Oscar is watching a show on the iPad and the big chair over there because um, um, my my wife, who's also my accountant, was up late doing our taxes. Oh God! And is uh, uh, I had to uh, I looked in to see if she was still breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to just making sure. <laughs> Sometimes you have to make sure when somebody's sleeping in. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's not, you know, eww. no, I no, I get it, I get it. Making sure the loved ones are still alive—that's um, that's something mm-hmm. I'm familiar with. You pause at the door for a moment, then you hear the snoring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, how did it go? Did did, did she still haven't found out? Uh, Don't know. Day? I I woke, I went to bed. She was doing the taxes. Woke up at three or four. She was still out there, and then uh, woke up at. A little while ago, and she's asleep. Our taxes were a catastrophe. Oh, it was—it's the kind of situation where I needed to sell my possessions to pay them. Oosh! All of your possessions? No, not all. Of them. 
Yeah, it was it was a very unpleasant. Did you sell uh, a guitar? No, I sold a couple of uh, camera lenses, mm. um, which is fine. This, you know, the kind it's the kind of thing that I can buy again later if it's not of any great sentimental value to me. It's just sort of is your camera um, uh, camera phase waning right now? No, actually, it's it's very much. Um, what I did, oh, well, I did, did I already talk about this in the last podcast? I like, I, I kind of sold. I haven't had a stuff. photo update. I haven't had a photo no. update. I sold. While. I had gone through a period back in the fall where I bought a lot of stuff. Here's this is this is just opening a, this is opening a whole can of worms. But about money, I don't. Uh, my relationship with money is broken. Um, I want it, but not enough to do the things you have to do to get it. Yeah. Um, but then when I have a little bit of it, I begin to act as though I have a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and when I run out of it, I just assume the more will uh, be coming my way. And um, yeah. and surprise. And sometimes it does. It does come my way often enough so that I get to think that that's a normal part of my life. But it is not, uh, it turns out. And one of the things that I was getting... Um, regular money from is over now so and uh-huh. i had just thought well that's fine because that was just mad money that was extra uh, but it turns out it, when i did the taxes it turns out it wasn't extra it it uh, we were just acting like that was our normal income mm-hmm. and so my sort of uh, self-conception as a consumer had to change very drastically in a very mm-hmm. short time as um, the lord of the manor <laughs> yeah, right. out there on ellis hollow road yeah yeah. yeah. So anyway, the, I'd sold, I'd, I I keep thinking, all right, I'm going to sell, sell all this junk, and then I'm just going to get a simple thing, um, like a, one camera and three lenses, and that's going to be my rig, if you will. But then I keep, uh, I do that, and then I suddenly think, oh, it would be nice if I added this little thing to it, and then pretty soon I'm back where I was before with a drawer full of stuff and it's not like it's junk that i don't use i use it all which is why i want it in the first place but i don't need it right um and uh it's kind of costly stuff yeah. but stuff that retains its value so it's very easy to it's good get some has the buying and selling of uh, photo and guitar doodads changed uh, how is it in 2016 as opposed to 10 years ago 15 years ago i think it's the same it's just the same i think that now it's like the forum chit chat on uh, uh, obsessions has waned. It has for me certainly, and I. I think yeah, I think generally. Really, yeah. Do you, so, do you think that that forum chit chat over obsessions was uh, just grew up at, at, right next to eBay, and now the entire phenomenon has grown wearisome for people? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that maybe so. Seems to be. I mean, because I've never participated that much in in uh, doodad forum chit chat. Um, mm-hmm. It's also a good Wilco album. <laughs> uh, but I would, you know, encounter it like looking for product reviews for something that I was buying or looking for information. And now I notice that most everything is dated five years ago, uh, ten years ago. Um, yeah. This the stuff that I'm interested in hasn't changed in 40 years. So essentially, sure. I'm I'm taking pictures with a Leica camera, and they ha- there are film ones and there are digital ones, and they all basically do the same thing. Um, the digital ones you could 
new ones come out and you could upgrade if you wanted, but I'm still on the one from six or seven years ago, six, five, six years ago. No, seven years ago now. Um, and it's still, still great. Uh, and the lenses are all from the sixties. You know what else is, you know what else is still great? What? You. Me? Oh, Ed. Thanks buddy. You're great too. See, the sun comes out and you know, (laughs) attitudes just improve. Across yeah. the board. You know what? I'm. I not only am I looking out at a, 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 a beautiful vista. Really, um, you achieved a vista. I've I've achieved a vista. There's no fog or clouds. There's no snow remaining at the moment. Um, but I'm sitting in a studio that three days ago it was intolerable to even come back here because it smelled so bad. Oh, the skunk! And story. now, now the smell is gone entirely. Just this morning is the first morning that the smell is essentially gone. Um, I was actually yeah. thinking, shit. Well, I'm just gonna have to, I'm just gonna have to take it back there to podcast. But in fact, it's it feels great. It's so not it's, bad. I got the window so open. So three weeks ago, when we last we spoke, two weeks ago, three weeks yeah. ago, three weeks ago, yeah, with our friend Alice. Mm-hmm. I think was when you told the skunk story. Um, really, as though it were over. As yeah. an unpleasant story, an unpleasant piquant story, uh, mostly harmless, that had concluded. Yeah, but it had not concluded. No, it had not. It had it had barely just begun, actually. Um, a skunk man had come out to the house, or you you discuss you discuss the matter with the skunk man, and he said, "There's nothing to be done." Yeah, because he's not living under the house. He's just it's mating season. They're walking around just spraying things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much that was his interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then. Uh, week, a little more than a week ago, um, we were awakened at two or three in the morning with skunk spray and, um, and it was pretty bad. Um, it was enough. It wasn't enough so that I actually got out of bed. I think I opened some windows, but, um, it's essentially the skunks had been spraying right under the, where I'm sitting now under the, under the music and studio slash office here in the house. And, um, I only spend, I, I, time that I spend back here is optional. The things I do here, I could do elsewhere for the most part, like mostly writing. I could go to a coffee shop or my office at Cornell. Um, so it's not a total tragedy that it smells bad for a little while. And then it leaks through the, the spray leaks through the, um, foundation and, up into our bedroom, which is right next to the studio. And if you go to the other side of the house, it's generally not so bad. Um, but it wasn't so bad that Rian got up for a while and went in the other room, but I just stayed in bed because I was too tired and I just didn't want to... I thought it was better to do a ju- just adjust to the horror than to react to it and have a new normal of having to sleep in another room. Um, and then the following night... Uh, it sprayed again, this time not so badly. And I was thinking, well, maybe maybe, it, maybe I'm just getting used to it, and this is our new life, and there's just going to be a little skunk under the house spraying every yeah. night. Yeah. And then the following night, the following night, it was unbearable. It like was, more than one skunk, maybe. Uh, no, it was just one skunk and one spray. The Congress of skunks. Well, we'll get to that. Sk- oh, we'll get to that because that's the remaining question is that whether it was just uh-huh. one skunk the whole time. But anyway, it was so it was so powerful 
that we almost went and got a hotel. What we did instead, even though it was 10 degrees outside, is just we opened every window and door in the house and ran a, ran a fan through and just built a huge hot fire and huddled around the fire while the, <laughs> air, while the air swept through the house. Um, by morning, everything but the studio was inhabitable. Um, but the studio was, was like a, was like the, it was like the, you know, the hot zone and stalker. And <laughs> they, uh, it I looked just, normal, but yeah, yeah. things disappeared. Yeah. I, I could like take pictures of it with my phone through the door. Um, and I just said, well, the hell with this, like I'm trapping the damn thing. And I was ha- going off like half cocked. I didn't, I didn't really think clearly about it. I just wanted to do something. And so, and I didn't want to call the skunk guy and have him argue with me again. So I got the have heart trap out of the barn and I put some Canadian bacon in it and I put it outside where the, where we, I saw the tracks in the snow where the skunk was obviously going underneath the studio and I left it there and I took a look at it every four or five hours and it, it, it went off once. And I think that was a chipmunk. I think a chipmunk stole some of the meat and then just squeezed out through the, yeah, that's I the don't... most disturbing part of this whole story. <laughs> yeah, the, the carnivorous, carnivorous chipmunks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know what else lives out here that would take a little piece of Canadian bacon and then be able to squeeze through the through the through the bars. Um, but then the next day, I I look out the window, and uh, this the trap is closed. And then I walked out on the patio and looked in there, and there was totally a skunk in there, and he was like looking up looking up at me with this. Really quite, um, really quite uh, um, sad, uh, kind of mournful expression. He knew that he was trapped. He was quite bored and unhappy, and uh, he was very cute. And I was very nervous. Adorable, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really adorable. Yeah. And so what they I did was they're really just the one flaw. Yeah, it's a it's a big one though. <laughs> Um, so I covered the cage with a black towel. There's, that's supposed to keep them calm. And, uh, and I called our guy cause I hadn't thought what to do. Like, what do you do? <laughs> so I figured I just, if on the off chance I caught the damn thing, I would just look it up on yeah. the internet and the internet would tell me what to do. And the internet, there were the, t- <laughs> the two poles <laughs> were, were as follows. One was, it's no big deal at all. Just put a towel over him, gently pick up the trap. Put it in the trunk of your car, go out into the woods, and let him out. And and then just quick run back, give him plenty of space. He'll leave the trap. He'll just run right out of the trap, and you're the done. The car part is one of the, the yeah, like well, the horrible part. That's of that. that's the thing. Put because, it in a contained place. Yeah, it's like put it in the one the one uninfected part of your life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The one thing that would allow me, allow me a lot. to get away from the smell, yeah. you want me yeah. to risk contaminating. Because that would never, ever go no, away. No, There's gone. no way to get that smell out yeah. of a car. You just push that car into the Ithaca River or whatever river you have there. Yeah. Yeah. We have something like Watch that. Watch it float sure. away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the. You know, according to Mythbusters, it's very hard to get a skunk to spray. But we, I, we, I had just endured over the a month and a half like five or six skunk sprays. So something is making a skunk spray over and over under my house, and this presumably is the one. And if he's got a hair trigger, I'm not putting him in my in my car. It was it was frightening enough putting the just putting the towel over him. Uh, so that was one pole. One pole is really no big deal. You should just bring it out to the woods. 
The other poll is I should try to. Fi- I'll try to find this and put it in the notes. It is <laughs> less sympathetic to the skunk. It 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 is. It's like step one: completely cover your body in plastic garbage bags. <sighs> And there's diagrams of how you have to seal, you essentially seal yourself in, in like, you know, 55 gallon plastic bags. And then you have to wrap the trap in layers of tarpaulin and, and you, and then it, then it wants you to like back your car up to it and, and kill it with carbon monoxide. (laughs) <laughs> and then you have to like take you know take it and bury it and I was like you know I'm not going to do either of these things for various <laughs> reasons uh so I called the skunk guy again and he was very excited and um he came out that afternoon and it was in fact his first skunk <laughs> no well it's i i was a little skeptical of his self-described skunk whisperer status um, but I would quickly be proven to have been a fool to doubt him because he is for real. He yeah. is not fucking around. He came and he um, he went right up to the trap. First of all, last time he came was nearly a decade ago, and he was already very elderly uh, when he hauled away a dead deer from our yard. Um, he didn't remember that. He was like, this place looks familiar to me. You look familiar to me. I was like, yeah, you hauled away a dead deer eight years ago and he said nope and i was like no really it was right over there and he said nah it was something else and i said okay <laughs> and, he, and we went around to the backyard he's got a cane now he's extremely advanced in age and um he just knelt down right next to the cage and started talking to the thing and he said hey baby looks like you got ticks all over your face Oh. I'm going to take you home. We're going to take those ticks right off of there. You just, you're just such a sweet little baby. You're so sweet. And talked to it, and then picked up the cage, and carried it over. And I was sta- standing way back, recording the, you know, documenting this with my phone. And he set the, he set the uh, cage on the picnic table, on the patio, and he said, "John, come over here. I need your help." And my instinct was to say. <laughs> Fuck no! Like I'm paying you a hundred bucks to to get this thing the hell out of my life, and me never ever get near it. And uh, but I didn't say that. Of course, I went over and helped him. And I was standing. He said, "Hang on to this cage. I got to check and see what the sex is." And I got to ha- I got to dangle the cage over the edge here, and I don't want to. I I don't want it to fall. So you got to hold on to the end of the cage. In other words, I was I had my hands and head like. You know, a, like six inches uh-huh. away from the 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 stinking place. And he's and he's doing a bit check. Yeah, exactly. Like, so I'm the one who's going to get sprayed if this uh, if this skunk happens not to want to to you know check its check its business. Turns out it's a boy, which I thought of as bad news because it suggested to me that there is a, there's a, a woman <laughs> that there's a <laughs> there's a there's a grown human woman living under my house. Uh, who is who a skunk is making advances on Uh, no there there's a female under there and she's the one who's been spraying because she's been fending him off and that she's still under there and the skunk whisperer thought not but i don't know 
I haven't seen any evidence in the week since he took the skunk away uh, for for the theory that there's another one under there. But uh, I don't know, man. So anyway, uh, well, no more spray. No, no, there no hasn't skunkage. been hasn't been anything. And uh, he and I haven't sealed up. It's been cold, so I haven't sealed up the. What I got to do is like I got to dig a trench all the way around the studio, which is like you know, 40 feet worth of digging. And then I have to bury hardware cloth under there, like, which is like chicken wire, but like tighter, stronger so that no rodents can get under there. No animals can get under there, which is a huge uh, pain in the ass. And is going to take me all day. And I can't do that until I'm sure that there's nothing under there. So I have to take the boards off and I have to crawl under there with a flashlight and probably have to go under there with a spade and dig out the pile of dirt that's under there so that i can actually get over and around it and then i have to peer into the corners to make sure that there's not a skunk there and if there is (laughs) i'm under my house with a skunk yeah but i'm not going to seal it in there because if it dies in there as the skunk whisperer said uh weeks ago them glands last for years and you got to get that out of there yeah he said there's the spray the spray is one thing but the the breaching of the glands is another and you don't want that to happen so that's where we're at we have the smell is finally gone as of this morning uh we have had no olfactory or visual evidence it hasn't been snowing so i haven't been able to see if there are tracks in the snow might still snow might get another snow not in the next week week and a half but i bet we will get another snow before it's all over it's still very early so, yeah, I, ha- I mean, I'm, I'm delighted that the, that the animal's gone, but also I'm paranoid that it's not really gone. Well, you, there are some, some options you may not have explored yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. You could get a cobra, which is the skunk's natural predator. Yeah. <laughs> I got a couple cobras. And I put them under the house for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, for a doesn't... while, for a while. <laughs> oh, for a while, yeah. Because sometimes <laughs> they, don't, they don't. They only eat like once a week. You know, <laughs> snakes aren't uh, are actually quite austere in their diet. Yeah. So, you know, give them time to get hungry. You know, before they go after the skunk. <laughs> um, that's my main thought. That's a good thought. Mm-hmm. You try putting out the trap again. Uh, yeah, I keep thinking I'm going to do that, but then with um, other things, you could put a little lentil soup in there. <laughs> <laughs> See what it likes. Uh-huh. It sound, sounds like you're hungry. Okay, Some kale now. chips. I am a little hungry. <laughs> oh, you ask you want a different show? Yeah. Look, here's the John show. Here's the here's the John Lennon show. And uh, uh, that's my show. See, there you are down in the corner. Hey, Oski, what's up? See you. You're down there. I'm, sen- I'm going to send you a link, Ed, th- through the Skype. While your boy is uh, is adjusting himself. Okay, I want you to watch a different show. Okay, bring, that, bring that to me and I'll put a different show on. I'm a bad parent. Oh, yeah, we all are. We're bad. That is my baseline. We're terrible. Want to watch Bernard? No, my more. Oh, I don't get 
Daniel Tiger? No. Caillou? No. Some very bitter adventures. Oh, some very bitty adventures. Um, how about that show? No, the Gruffalo's Child. It's it's just a Mark Ruffalo biopic. Wild Kratz. <laughs> no. Trotro. No. Frog that spells. What? The spelling frog. Where's the spelling frog? Um, no, I don't want that one. Magic School Bus? No. Oh, we've got Reading Rainbow on here now. Um, you like that one? Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. This one's about a uh, crab. Here, take it back. Here you go. Sorry about that. Quite right. Also, Unexpectedly, have the sun in my face. You've got a, your sun in your lap and the sun in your face. That's right. So I sent you a link to the um, to the ec- extreme skunk removal. I just want you to want to click that. Scroll down. Scroll down and take a look at number at step thirteen. A lot of steps. Yeah. I'm seeing the gloves. Yeah. I'm seeing the um, scuba gear. I'm seeing what looks like a pie under uh, on a branch. Wrap yourself from he- toe to I'm head. Seeing a red a red person a red Not figure trapped toe. in an, in an ice cube. <laughs> Not head to toe, but toe to head in plastic trash toe bags, taping yeah. them so they overlap. Cut eye, nose, and mouth holes, and tape. To your face or glasses so you don't go blind or feel like you are being waterboarded at a critical time. <laughs> Good luck to you and the skunk. Good luck. Well, then after, after all that, it has you hold it up in your hands like exactly. a little friend. <laughs> after after thir- 12 steps of treating it like it's a, like it's a thermonuclear bomb, <laughs> exactly. hold it in your hands and make a friend. <laughs> it's your little buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, so this is what I did not do. So this is why I haven't put out another trap, because then I'm back at square one, and I don't... You know, he called me the next day, the skunk whisperer, just to chat. (laughs) Yeah. And he said, hey, it's Jack. You got any more skunks? (laughs) No. Well, he would probably would have appreciated it, because he just wanted to tell me that the skunk didn't give a, a bit of trouble, and he's just the sweetest little boy. And if it weren't for his dog, he would keep him. And he's wow. just he's been taking the ticks off, and he's just the sweetest. And then we got talking about the weather and the difference between the weather in Ithaca and the weather in Tennessee. And then I thought, am I friends with with uh, with Jack now? Yeah, he's your best friend. No. <laughs> <laughs> you said that in the tone that I imagine. Um, that I imagine what's his name talking about his cat Hodge, you know Sam, Samuel Johnson. Yeah, but Hodge shan't be shot. After he is uh, done with his plans, he's going to be your only friend. After he's done taking all these skunks to the post office, are you? Wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's mailing them somewhere. He's, he's he's mailing them as pranks to all of your friends. <laughs> 
And but he's putting your name on it. So <laughs> people will feel like he's you're no longer friends with them and that will leave only him. It's a it's a to take care of him in his in his late, in his last days. You know what advice he gave me? He told me not to get old. Good advice. Good advice. So I wanted Rian to come in here and tell an anecdote. It's not even an anecdote, it's just a, a fact of her uh from her past, but she declined because yeah. she is self-conscious about being on Skype and being seen even by you yeah. over yeah. the internet. But um she said that there was a there was a restaurant in Fredonia, New York, uh near where she grew up when she was a kid called Pizza Wings and Things. Um and uh, it was it was on the um, there's a creek that runs through downtown Fredonia and it was situated on the creek. And when they um, when they cleaned out the grease trap, they would just dump all the excess grease just directly into the creek. And so over the years, um, she said there was <laughs> there was a waterfall of fat. <sighs> Um, and I just thought that concept was was germane to our interests here on Lunchbox. You know that, that something about that uh, the name of the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about that? Well, it reminds me of of your favorite band, uh, Enough Is Enough. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember Enough Is Enough? I do. <laughs> you do remember it. Yeah. Remember, because you still have your stack of of of, of newsletters from the fan club. Yeah, tucked in there with my uh, preserved in in mylar uh, uh, with my casingles. Damn! Wow, they're still there, still going. Pizza wings and things. And here's the crazy Old, thing: they uh, have a they have. Is there a picture of a waterfall on the as part of their logo? <laughs> no, I, I'm. I'd like to think they're they've got it cleaned up. This is in this is a different kind of era. Um, I. But uh, they, you know, how sometimes a a company will adopt a nickname for itself, and then the nickname will become the official thing. I'm never yeah. comfortable with this. There's there are these um like Syracuse University, whose basketball team is is typically good and is popular. Um, starts ref- has has started referring to itself as the Qs, and I don't uh-huh. think I don't think people actually call it that. Yeah, um, and it disturbs me a little bit when I see like a truck go by that's got the cues written on an orange truck. Also, what is in that orange truck? Yeah. Anyway, so Pizza Wings and Things know. has has decided that it's called P Dubs. Mm, I don't like it, <laughs> especially that little. Um, and they're at pdubs.com. Especially that separating the P and Dubs is like a little. Way, it's the way that you draw an asshole. Yeah, well, it's like Kurt Vonnegut yeah. from Breakfast of Champions. It's the anus from Breakfast of Champions. Yeah. See, I thought with pizza wings in things that, that I was thinking would be just an N instead of an ampersand. <laughs> so did I. But it's well, an ampersand. Yeah. It's an ampersand, yeah. You yeah. you wanted apostrophe and apostrophe. Yeah. As in enough is enough, which I think <laughs> I just sent you a link to. You certainly did. I'm going to click to that right now. see what's up with, with them. Boy, it's their logo is quite sim- similar to um, the P Dub <laughs> lo- logo. I think, I think the world is tied with secret knots, John. Do you, 
<laughs> I'm looking at P Dub's Facebook page, and I like to say it's not just a pizza; it's pizza wings and things, but it calls itself an Italian restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> it does. It's P Dub's. I don't think Italian so. restaurant. <laughs> Where do you see that? I don't see that on their Facebook page. Oh my God! Oh, they That's have a, a history link. page too. Yeah, and then and then they have to spell out pizza wings and things <laughs> A and D. So they they don't know. They haven't decided whether it's spell out and use an ampersand or a little well, anus asterisk. And in fact, if you go to the history page on the website, it says P Dub's history, and then it's spelled pizza wings and apostrophe things. Like I, like I would think it should. Yeah, be. except that there's no the there's, rock and roll way. There's an apostrophe for the D, but there's not an apostrophe for the A. So that that's essentially pizza, pizza wings and things, is what that's that's implying is the real name. Yeah. Anyway, I'll pizza. The pizza. The, the photos of the pizza does not look very good. <laughs> it does not look like a good pizza. Pizza wings and things first opened uh, at thirty six. Like a, a, food, a food pile pizza. We've talked about food piles. It's it is a category of food I am not um, un, unhappy to entertain. But you're right that it does not look very good here. It says they first opened at thirty six West Main Street in Fredonia in 1978 and was destroyed by a fire later that same year. Later, re- later that same day, <laughs> it reopened in 1979 after extreme perseverance and dedication prevailed. The second location opened at 404 Central Avenue in Dunkirk in 2001. Always known for great pizza and wings, Pizza Wings and Things is most famous for its chicken finger subs, which were originally thought up by the Murphy Boys back in the 1980s. That's the Italian-American Murphy family. Yeah. The chicken finger sub sensation grew, and now they can be found in sub shops all over the country, but none compare to the original. Andrea Hovitt... Reviewing P-dubs on the Facebook page says the food was very good. And when my boys ordered kids pizzas, they got a chef's hat to wear as they put their own toppings on. It's a fantastic idea. But they get the low star rate because the service was so horrible. Oh, come on. Chef's hats and they got to put on their own toppings. Come on. But the service was bad. I'm, I'm sorry. That is the service. Yeah, that's the service. The waitress told me the drinks came with the kids menu. Then after bringing the drinks, she told me they didn't, but they got dessert. Then she brought out the wrong food, and her explanation was the buttons were too close together. Then after my boys were done, we told her we would take the ice cream. She went to the back and came back and told me she didn't think they had it anymore. I looked at her because I had already paid the bill. She wanted us to leave, but I told her it was part of the meal, and my boys wanted it. So she said I had to wait for the cook to come back. He had left for some reason. Like I said, great food. Horrible service at Pueblo West on corner of Joe Martinez and McCullough. Oh. P-Dubs replies, sorry, Andrea, you have us confused with a different pizza place. We're in Fredonia, New York. Can you please remove your review? November 13th, 2014. <laughs> oh god oh poor andrea (laughs) the poor lady she's been she got got the wrong place (laughs) she she spent a long time on that review 
I, I understand you feel bad, Moth, but why did you come in here? Well, the light, the light was on. <laughs> oh, my God. Meanwhile, Tim O'Dell, uh, last month, gives a much more complimentary review, which is, Jay, eat your padubs. Really yeah, good. eat your padubs. Yeah. Oh, oh, Andrea. Corey Cannibal, reviewing P-Dubs, says, just got the smallest fingers in the world. <laughs> Step into your game, SMH. Oh, you mean like uh, like Donald Trump? Little, little <laughs> fingers? Small fingers. Little small fingered. Yeah. Oh, horrible service at Pueblo West on the corner of Joe Martinez and McCulloch. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like in Santa Fe or something, I bet. <laughs> There's nothing in the state of New York called Pueblo West, (laughs) especially not Chautauqua County. (laughs) It's fairly far east. (laughs) Okay, so enough's enough. What do you want to say about them? Oh, I just just uh, the fact that they existed and continue to exist, and also are challenged as far as how to connect two words. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh God! I'm sorry. I'm you had any good pizza down. lately? Last night. Oh, at, that's um, Yeah. Well, I don't know if you call, call it pizza. Um. But uh, I was at uh, our our local agava, which started out being a little a little Mexican fusiony, maybe. But now it's turned into kind of like a pretty creative kind of pan-American cuisine uh, with a nice bar and friendly staff. So Rena and I go there every couple of weeks. And I got a, f- a pig and fig flatbread. And it was... Uh, good Lord! What's happening to your child? <laughs> Pay no attention. <laughs> Something funny, Oscar? <laughs> He's cracking, you're cracking him up, John. Pay no attention. <laughs> Pay no you, attention to the goat. You've got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that was a pretty good pe- pizza-like pizza-like thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Um, Rian sent me something I wanted to share with you. Um, it was a... Uh, it was a uh, what the hell is it? Well, now I can't find it. But um, at uh, McMurray Hatchery, yeah, um, is that a pizza restaurant? No. Why don't you? Why don't you? Um, why don't you go ahead and tell me what you just? Oh, there. No, I found it. I found it. Um, is a fish hatchery? In no, that no, area? no, chickens, chickens. The, uh, Rena's um, has decided. Uh, Rena's decided that she, she's going to replenish the flock. We're going to let the chickens oh, um, retire, right? And they've slowly been dying off. We have two left, two old ladies, and they just we let them out and they walk around uh-huh. all day. And recently, they actually started laying eggs again, which was a shock. Yeah. So we get an egg every you know once or twice a week. We get an egg as opposed to like two a day as they as when they yeah. were younger. But um, so she's decided to get some get some chicks, and um, we're probably going to get most of the breeds we used to get but um because fun we're, we know them but uh, she was looking at different breeds she's never tried before and one of them is um 
One of them is the Buttercup. Yeah. Um, and uh, this the McMurray Hatchery website has uh, customer reviews, so you can review. You can put up your uh, give a star rating to a chicken breed, and then say what you think about it. And there's one review for the Buttercups, and it says five stars. We loved her. Mimosa was one of my kids' favorite little hens of all time. She was gorgeous, cute, perky, and just adorable. She would actually smile. I have my doubts about that. She would actually smile and, tw- <laughs> and twinkle her hard, eyes hard at you. Hard to smile with a beak. No, it is hard. But a this fixed, a fixed mouth. This she nearly broke her beak learning to smile because <laughs> she's that dedicated to being a good mm-hmm. good little bird. She would actually smile and twinkle her eyes at you and flirt. Unfortunately, for some reason. All the other chickens suddenly jumped on her and killed her. The end. I wonder why. I wonder why the flirty, smiley chicken was attacked and killed by the rest of the flock. (laughs) Because it was... Yeah. It had been... They knew knew it was wrong. It was an affront to chickenry. (laughs) You sent me something to uh, you sent me something uh, the link to Hogan's Goat Pizza. Oh yeah, I was still thinking of, of pizzas. Whoa, there's a there's a skeletonized goat on the logo there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see that. It's good pizza. This is in Portland, and it uh, it's near it's near us. It tells you about Pretty it's a uh, pizza pie. You don't see that printed very often. Pizza yeah. pie. I haven't pizza heard that pie. since about 1978, actually. It's a pizza pie. Yeah. It's a pizza pie. So what do you want to say about this place? Well, just that it's awfully good. It seemed germane when we were talking about pizzas. And the last, the last good pizza I had, Hogan, Hogan's Goat. Um, it was good. Just a pepperoni from it. The Canadian passport is good. And I had a slice of the Gotilla, the pun, just uh, yeah, so that I can say that I had, and I wish I hadn't. Oh, that's a shame. But pine why? nuts can go bad. I think it was bad pine nuts. Oh, yeah. Particular that's specific flavor to pine nuts that have turned. That's expensive pizza. Yeah. Um. So it's what's nice with little. the... I don't see goat here. It's one of the vegetarian pies. So Oh, they're the meat pies. So are they using goat meat or are they just using goat cheese? No goat meat in the place. I don't even know if they use goat cheese. I don't even know if they use chevre. Can is it fair for me to be a little disappointed in that? Yeah, because goat is delicious. See, I haven't goat. had it. Rian's had goat it. would be goat would be good. Goat would be good ish on a pizza. So you did you eat goat in Louisiana? That's where Rian used to eat goat. I ate I ate goat once in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend who who cooked things like uh, raccoon and. Deer ribs and kind of country meat. Uh, made a goat once. It's good. The best goat I had was at the uh, Girl and the Goat restaurant in Chicago. Ooh. Very fine. The Girl and the Goat or the Girl in girl the Goat? And the Girl and the Goat was the restaurant. Went there with, I don't know, 10 poets once and we got a goat leg and, and ate... ate uh, do what we could. They also serve a lot of oysters, it's oysters and goats. Um, do what we could. That's great. With the goat leg, and we still had enough to bring back to to other poets. 
Is this some? Is this common to in in poet culture? To eat goat and then and share then goats. Share goat. Yeah, that's why I got into the biz. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, by the way, as an aside, I love the term uh, "po biz." You you probably are disgusted by it by this. I don't care for the term. I yeah. love it. I love it because it just it is it the idea that poetry is business is wonderful. Right, it's military intelligence poetry business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't like the term because the person who who I heard heard it, heard it from, which is a professor, um, used it uh, the same way that like maybe I have have uh, relatives who would talk about political correctness. Um, sort like, of applying some term to the the force that had uh, yeah that had not successfully acknowledged their greatness and privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not that's not so that's not so great. Who was this um, professor? Were there other things to to? Uh, was this in college? Was this in graduate school? Do I know this person? Yeah, no. This was this was. Um, uh, professor who's still alive, um, who I otherwise have have good things to say about, but he certainly had had uh, um, uh, I, I learned a lot of things from him, both through his instruction and his uh, uh, example. Okay. Yeah. That was carefully put. Yeah. Not the model that I would have, would follow. Okay. Aesthetically or professionally. I got it. But I still owe a great debt to. This restaurant looks good, by the way. And I, if I were going Hogan's to, Goat? Is, it's nice, uh, yes. No, I meant the girl and the goat. Oh, the girl and the goat is fantastic. Uh, Hogan's Goat looks great, too, but I'm, I don't... Yeah. Girl and the Goat is, is, I think, widely recognized as a fantastic restaurant. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not surprised. A big, a big, a big machine of a restaurant. Um, yeah, I uh, probably will not uh, be in Portland uh, for another year, which is when my book comes out. And uh, I want to talk to you. Do you, do you, do you have, is there room in your heart to talk a little bit about writing on this podcast? Well, we've talked about food a little bit. We've had uh, uh, toddler interruptions. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I suppose we can talk about writing at this point. By the way, I'm editing out the first toddler interruption, but the second one, in which he impersonated <laughs> a goat, is staying in. In fact, that might, <laughs> even, be, that might even be pre-roll quality Very good. Uh, fully work <laughs> on, yeah. on Oscar's part. Um, yeah, so you know, remember that, uh, co- that co- half-assed – that's, that's actually – I think it's more than half-assed. That uh, st- story collection I sent you and that you commented on when I came out to Seattle. While uh, with a, a, a variety of of styles. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. You drove around. We drove around in your car, and you told me uh, what you thought of it. Um, I have been ad- I've been adding things to it since then, um, and I still do the, the married couple has sort of become its own thing yeah right? but you know what i did i actually um put all that stuff back into the story collection because i realized that the short the excuse me the very short story versions of them were not going to be the voice of the novel so i removed those things from the novel put them back in the story collection and what was left in the novel is only 10 pages um but it's a different voice a more elaborated upon voice same characters but more sophisticated and less 
they're less sort of uh, little paper dolls I'm putting on a stage mm-hmm. as I as I am in the very short things, and they're more fully fleshed out characters, and the two are different. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna start afresh on the novel probably this fall and see. They're if kind I, of a punch and Judy. Them. Yeah, very very much so yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, but the novel version of them very quickly. I, you know, the 10 new pages I wrote, uh, it's not those, not the same, um, concept. Yeah. So, so anyway, I put those back in, um, I added, um, these, uh, transcriptions of faculty meetings I've been doing. <laughs> did I, t- did I tell you about this? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm basically, uh, I'm basically making a, a collage out of what people say in faculty meetings and I'll like grab an, a phrase that might have a double meaning and then I'll just write mm-hmm. it down, and I'll just wait with my pen poised for some someone else to say something that, if mm-hmm. added to it, will create yeah. create new create new meaning. It's a good technique for staying awake, at least. I think. Yeah, that's my plan mm-hmm. in general. I mean, unfortunately, sometimes there's a meeting that I actually have to pay attention to, and I can't um, turn mm-hmm. it into an uh, a art piece because you have to say the ridiculous things yourself. <laughs> I do, I do. And you maybe, don't want to be implicated. <laughs> maybe someone else in the room. I think there are a couple of people who are on to me, like who've sat next to me. You need to, to say actionable. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And then someone else is going to scribble it down and, and mm-hmm. publish it on Tumblr. Anyway, I added those um, out of context, like not remembering what who said what and what we were actually talking about. I actually quite like them as standalone mm-hmm. pieces i should i actually wondered if i should have tried to straight up publish them instead of just put them on my blog um and then i've i uh it's an, it's an interesting match theoretically with the uh the translations exactly exactly yeah. and when i put them once i put them in the collection i realized that these things complement each other and mm-hmm. they could maybe be in separate parts of the book as balances so this is the question i have for you i don't know if you remember it very well but i had had it laid out so that everything was in or maybe the version you read i didn't but then i i had every i arranged everything into sections so that all the mistranslations were together and they were labeled mistranslations and all the marriage stories were together and they were labeled marriage stories um but then i read i haven't finished it yet but i'm reading lydia davis's last collection and here is an aside a phenomenon uh that is infecting my old age, my middle age, which is in the old days when a new album by one of my favorite bands or book by one of my favorite writers or film by my favorite directors came out, I would be first in line to buy a copy, view a copy, listen to it, read it. And now I wait, uh, and the Lydia Davis, Lydia Davis is one of my all-time favorite writers. I love her. I bought her new book two years ago and didn't read it. And I'm finally reading it now and enjoying it, as I always do. Um, but I'm wondering why I don't... I think maybe it's that I ha- I already have an idea w- of what their next thing is going to be. And I just kind of want to live with that for a while. I kind of don't want the illusion to be broken. Even if the real thing is better than the thing in my head... I don't know. Is this phenomenon you're familiar with? You're swaying. Sure. You already the, the 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 place that their body of work has in your head is already um considerable and and uh appreciated and uh what what is there to be added to it? Yeah. Well, it turns out plenty, but yeah, usually usually uh, quite a bit. In the same way that we we like to think that we're doing new things every time. 
<laughs> he said, sounding like he does not believe that we are. Might not be. Hard to tell, you know. But anyway, she does this thing where she ha- there are different different categories of literary object in this new book of hers. Some of their translations from Flaubert's notebooks. Some of them are transcriptions of dreams. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there are fewer categories of thing in her book than in mine. But she does a thing where she just gives you the thing without any indication of what it's supposed to be. And then down at the bottom in italics, you will read dream. Um, and I kind oh, of nice. I nice. kind of like that. I kind of yeah. like that as a here Less you have structural. Yeah, you Less have the architectural opportunity to just take it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And then at the bottom, once you've finished reading, you can look down at the bottom immediately and see what you're reading if you wish. But yeah. if you don't wish, you don't have to. Yeah. So I was thinking of... Suggesting re- that perhaps these are, um, if you read it from front to back, they're organized by something as simple as chronology rather than literary plan. Yeah. Yeah, um, but that leaves. Would you say me, that yours are you are, are, are the, the different kinds in yours? Would you say they're written chronologically, or with a batch of one one project, then moving to the next project, or sort of like, oh, I do one of these and a different one, and then as they occur to you, uh, it's more the latter. I mean, That's there was yeah. there was a time when I was text messaging short stories to people, right? Yeah. And um, you, there's one, there's one to you in there. I think you were the first one, actually. Uh-huh. Um, and I just oh, start. I I'm starting that again. I'm writing a few more yeah. of those. Um, and the meeting notes have gone over like two years. Mm-hmm. Um, the mistranslations I did all in one summer, and I probably won't do more of those. But the question I have now is: Should like stay with like? Uh, in no, term- no. I think the, the pleasure of, of something that's a collage yeah. is the sense of of uh, the the giving a sense of the ex, the experience of of them sort of occurring to the, the writer. I'm yeah. Okay, just a second. Okay. Um. Uh. Rather than courses, right? That have been prepared. Um. A sort of uh, um. The relationship between the reader and writer is different, I guess, between those two. Yeah. That's what's that's what's implied heavily. There's a real difference in in that relationship. Yeah. Like are you sharing? Are you sharing a pe- a period of your life, the life of the the your imagination, or are you, you know, saying voila, I have made these again? <laughs> I guess. I guess what I want to present is, I feel like the I feel like the act of creation is. And we've you. I think you've fallen down on this side in the past. The act of creation is not very interesting to the reader. That is, the context of creation is not that interesting. Uh, but it's sort of my job to contextualize everything in a way that um, will make it. I don't know. Will make it seem uh, relevant to the reader. That is to say, I should aesthetically arrange them in a way that will. Well, not winkingly, but subtly acknowledge the processes that created them, but will not take that as its guiding principle for organization. I mean, I'm feeling like a poet. I, this is what I imagine. This is what you have to do every time you put a book together. Well, these are the thoughts. I, I think, um, and, and in that, what I've what I've come around to is is thinking and and. Uh, it, 
in, in my own books and, and getting a sense of in other people's books that it is a a that what's being shared is a period of of of, of imagination. Um, this I think I told you this is in, in Auden's the preface to Auden's collected. He says uh, that uh, he just have always he's always arranged everything chronologically. He can't imagine why anybody would would do it differently. Really? I, yeah. You I mean think, in in the order that he wrote them? The order that he wrote them, or finished them, maybe. I mean, I don't know if he wrote one and then you know finished it and then moved on to the next. And most people I know can make anything. They you know uh, work, start something and revise it over a period of time during which they've started other things. Right. Right. So things are overlapping. So I don't know how, how true he is to the moment of initial composition versus, uh, well, I know that he, re- he re- revised things sure. um, over, over, over time. Do, but do still, you feel any kind of lack when you read a collection of his that was published in the order that he wanted them to be published in? Do you, do, do you long for some kind of more thoughtful organizing principle than that? Well, because it's odd and it's so thoughtful. I mean, <laughs> it's a, it's not, it's not like there's a lot of fluff. I mean, his his yeah. there's the and his his concerns are, are broad, but from a, a limited range. So he's never too too far. Away. He's never coming too far from left field with a new poem. It's still, you know, um, formally connected. Uh, the same kind of illusions. Uh, or other things are these poems are going to be united enough no matter how you scattered them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think some of the some of the appeal of Auden of, of, as a is as a kind of a novelistic appeal is you see the development of a personality, you see the development of an of, of an intellect of of, of uh, a consciousness over the years. Mm-hmm. An interesting one, starting in an interesting place and and, and moving through interesting. Period. You mean from book to book, or uh, from poem book to poem? To book to book and within book. book. Yeah, within book. Yeah. I feel like, and maybe this is just sort of solipsistic thinking, but I, I, I think of my life and patterns of thought as being too scattered, um, and impulsive to tell a to tell a story in terms of the order in which I've written things. But this is a different kind of book. You haven't written a, well. You, you wrote a book like this. I mean, the, the closest is uh, was was anecdotes. Yeah. That then became pieces for the left hand. Yeah, but then the thing about those was I wrote a dozen of them, and I thought, okay, now I now I know what this thing is. I know I know yeah. what the boundaries are of this thing is that I'm writing, and I'm just going to write more of these. And when I have a hundred of them, I will. St- I actually wrote more and then cut them, but. Uh-huh. I'll stop once I have a book of them, and they did you rearrange all... them much in well, orders? I, so I remember, I do remember. Yeah, a lot of this process. I did arrange them in something that I felt was a, was pretty, and then I gave it to. Um, it was originally published by Granta Books in Britain right. before it came out in the U.S. And my editor at the time wanted an organizing principle. She she said you should arrange these into thematic groups and then you should introduce each group in some way and then there should be an introduction to the whole thing. And I did that. I actually uh, I I think in retrospect it's a legitimate way to have done it and each thematic group had an even shorter story at the beginning like a sentence or two and then um at the very beginning there's an introduction that introduces the idea of the narrator as a person other than me who is telling the stories that contextualizes it almost, as I've said a lot of times in about this book, 
that it's almost a novel about a guy who writes a hundred oh, yeah. stories. And oh yeah. The text of the novel is just the stories that he writes. Um, if you called it a novel, people would read. It's like like the Monroe book, yeah, yeah. that that she says is a novel. Yeah. Or she does. She, what is it? She says it's not, or she says it is. She says it is. Lives of Girls and right. Women. It, it, right. At some point in the early nineties, I think suddenly new editions uh-huh. of it said a novel. Right. Um, she had decided uh, retroactively that it, she, yeah. it, that it was a novel, even yeah. though like another book, other books of hers, especially like. Uh, <laughs> Um, well, a recent one, The View from Castle Rock and The Beggar Maid, those are as much novels as Lives of Girls and Women is, but yeah. she does not call those novels. Yeah. So, uh, um, but I feel like just saying a thing is a thing makes you think about it differently, makes the reader think about oh, it differently. Oh, sure. And so I'm torn between like wanting to tweak that and being afraid to put the reader in a certain mindset when they're reading so this this collection is very different from that one in that it's all the thought experiments i've done for the past three or four years and um some of them are longer i think the longest is maybe a 10 page short story um like bread man's not going to be in there because that's some that's a different sort of thing that's Uh some for some future collection of longer stories this is like a notion i got that i wanted to and here's the thing I had been thinking of this. I'd been keeping this thing in the back of my mind, but had not been taking it super seriously. But I handed it in to the English department for my uh, promotion review in the fall. I was up up for a full professor. Uh-huh. I've been there for a while and I've published enough, so that I was up for full professor. But I had to submit everything I'd written since tenure. And so this was a big chunk of published work that I had in a collection. So I handed it in. And one of my professors, or one of my fellow professors, Stephanie Vaughn, shocked me by writing me a letter. They're not supposed to say anything until it's over. But once it was over, and I did get the promotion, once it was over, she wrote to me and said, "Um, your new novel is good, but the best work you have ever done is in this collection. This is ah. the best thing you've ever done, and it's the thing that you that sets you apart from other writers. And said, yeah, and she's the one who said you are doing experiments, you're creating problems for yourself, and then you're solving yeah. them. Oh yeah. yeah, and I hadn't even thought yeah. of it that way, but it excited me, and mm-hmm. I returned to it, and and have now been adding to it based upon the way she defined it uh-huh. as a series of problems that I enjoy solving. Yeah, I so, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's why I think that's why I think a chronological sense of it shows how one problem and solution in real life led to, or some s- simulation of that. One problem and solution leads to another one, right? One problem, one solution uncovers another problem. Yeah, right. Thus, tracing tracing the line, uh, the arc of a, of a larger, perhaps unstated problem. Yeah, which I suppose is how to write. Or even, you know, one that I'm not consciously thinking of at all. Right. So is your, is your advice then to uh, at least give a shot to, to putting the, ear, the earliest work first and the latest work last? Um, I would encourage you to think about it. Sure. Uh-huh. Sure, I'll think about that. I uh, might even do it. Yeah. Um. So it's almost time for me to make my children waffles, but do you want to tell me how your, uh, your uh, writing is going? I uh got a cover I think yeah. for the for the book that's coming out in November. 
Did so I you, send you the you yeah, s- options? You sent uh, you sent the Okie Panky board a, a collection mm-hmm. of options, and many of them were very nice. Well, I thought all, good images to begin with. Yeah, uh, I believe it's. Uh, I'll both wait till we get a better mock up of it. But it's the flamingos one. Mm-hmm. Really no like that one. Yeah, no rock more painting. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so so I was waiting for copy edits for that, but um, I'm putting together a show, April eighth, Triggering yeah. Town View two. I saw that Live on magazine uh, of saw that on the Insta music. Yeah, with uh, um, a lot of good good folks. That's super soon. Good Portland Ed. writers who I you know when I did it in Seattle, I was you know working with people that I've known for years. Yeah, known me for years, which is one kind of collaboration. Yeah. And this is uh, with people I know a little bit. Okay, all right. Who only know me a little bit. And so the, uh, the, the show is, is, there'll be a lot of people doing their own thing, but there'll be a little scripted bit. Um, I'm working on a prose project that I don't know whether it's short stories or a novel, but it's mm-hmm. about the uh, continuing, so where I started in the summer, mm-hmm. about the neighborhood where I grew up, and some of the stories... I mean, making shit up, but you know, based on stories that I know and people that I know yeah. from a period that's gone, right? I mean, from the the past, the respectable people of my childhood, <laughs> and then a particular, you know, a couple of stories. Um, because I grew up in a, 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 a neighborhood where I knew, you know, two hundred houses, and I knew every house, I knew every corner of every house, and I knew everybody who lived there, and I knew everybody's story, right? And uh, and and most a lot of those people are gone, or they certainly aren't who they were in the seventies or eighties. So I feel I can. Um, I'm thinking about fondly and critically those places and times. So this is a project that you um, originally were kind of stealthy about, and then uh, you sort of implicitly. Admitted well, I, I was- feel I feel so sol- I feel solid about it. I so feel so solid about it structurally in process that that I, I don't feel. Uh, I know it'll 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 change and adapt, but I don't feel like I'm, it's 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 going to flee from me. Good. Talking about it. Yeah. Good. Good. Really good. Um, probably because I've got I've got some pretty well tamped down, and so I'm trying. But there's a couple of stories in it, so it's it's over like a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a. Uh, uh, some spooky parts, and so I'm trying to f- that are kind of done. So I'm trying to I want to I want to uh, do the the spooky parts at the at the at the triggering town review. Yeah, so I'm trying to get those finished in time for for that. All right, that sounds great. That might be okay. I um I would even if 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 a um I had any money at all, and b um there weren't a an, a big event happening at Cornell the day before, I would actually consider coming out to hear that. It's April 8th. Or AWP correct? the weekend before. Yeah, AWP is the week before, I know. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, the thing that's the day before at Cornell is uh, the Shop Talk event that I think of as the crown jewel of my now departed uh, directorship of the creative writing program, which is uh, Women in New Media Publishing uh, sh- uh, panel. Featuring oh, nice. uh, Halima Marcus, our Very good. our leader at Electric mm-hmm. Lit, fearless leader. She's she is indeed fearless. Uh, she may have some phobias that I don't, we don't know about. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure she does. We all do. <laughs> I haven't encountered them yet. But uh, Rachel Fershleiser, who uh, works at Tumblr 
and right. is a sort of uh, roving literary uh, booster and uh, is the person who um, helped us publicize the launching of Okie Panky. Uh, Mallory Ortberg from The Toast and mm-hmm. Nicole Cliff from The Toast. And uh, I think I have not been able to convey successfully, I don't think, to the to the staff how famous Mallory is. People yeah. are coming from the other this side of the, the other side of the country to come listen yeah. to her, and I I I think it's going to be a, a madhouse, and I'm very excited about it. So that's Fantastic. April seventh at Cornell. April seventh, mm-hmm. Cornell mm-hmm. University, not yeah. Cornell College, Cornell University. No. Um, and yes, AWP. I'm looking forward to. I haven't. I have been lax about setting up some kind of um, Oki Panky meetup, but maybe I'll just try to. It worked out well last time, just doing it in the the hotel lobby. You want to try? Want to try that? Yeah, maybe. We should do that. We should go ahead and do that. And it, it, even if it's just you, me, and Alice having martinis, that that's more than enough to have a good time with. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll set something up. I don't have it. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, yeah I'm go. I'm attending, but I, I'm I'm I, uh, I'm happy happy to not have any commitments. Me too. To, Except to hang out with with uh, with some fine people. That's right. Oh, you almost said to hang out with me, but you you I changed your mind. Gave you too much. You gave you me decided. too much love already. Yeah, too much love already. <laughs> More starts than I get, deserve. Starts to look suspicious. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, I gotta go make waffles. Yeah. Okay. Uh, talk to you soon. Yeah. Talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. Bye. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Some lunch. Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. Cause it's time for lunch. Box with Ed John. That's right. It's time for lunch. Box with Ed and John.